good to remember that Jesus is the King of Kings. As we move into our message today, we're continuing to look at what does it mean to live by faith. And it's uh, so amazing to stop and consider living by faith and what does that mean. Today we're going to look at the truth of the fact that living by faith is an endless hope. It brings an endless hope into our lives. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, so if you want to pull that up on your Bible app or, or in your Bible at home, follow along, and just before I read it, let's take a moment and pray. Father God, how we thank you for your word, for the truth of your word, for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and that the resurrection means that we have for us an endless hope. And God, right now, it's so important to remember because in many ways, what we're surrounded with is a, a pandemic that would, if we're not careful, allow us to be that, to believe that there's a, a hopeless end. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the resurrection. As we look at it today, Lord, I pray that you would allow it to speak deeply into our hearts. So we're scattered, Lord. We're scattered in our homes and we're watching this all separately, but all together. And so we pray that you'd move in our hearts as we open them to you. Speak to us, God. Your children are listening. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're starting in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then to be found false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised... For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. It's an amazing passage that helps us stop and think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's so important on this Easter Sunday or Saturday, whatever you're watching. But even more so, it's important to remember at this time that we're in. And as we look at this passage, I think it will become clear to you why that is. What we see is that the resurrection brings an endless hope to a hopeless end. The resurrection brings an endless hope to a hopeless end. The first thing we see is that there is a hopeless end, and Paul makes that really clear. As he comes into these first few verses, he, he talks about the, the death as being a real truth. Death is a real truth. I've noticed at times in my life, there's been times when people have thought about 
death as being true and other times when they haven't. Sometimes in our lives we get going so quickly and I think that's what had been happening to a lot of us. We'd been moving so quickly and so so busy in so many of the things that were going on. So many moving pieces and so many missing parts to our lives. All of a sudden, everything is kind of shut down. But the other thing that's happened is we've become increasingly aware of death. I think of now you go out and you see so many people wearing masks and, and protection. And, and it's true that a lot of people are wearing masks to protect them from getting the disease, but it's also because there's a fear of death that comes with that disease. As I've been pondering this, I've considered the, there was one other time in my life when I felt the same as I feel now. And that, that's when I was in junior high school. When I was in junior high, it was at the peak of the Vietnam War. My mom would watch Walter Cronkite every night on the news. And I remember watching the news and seeing the scenes from the Vietnam War. And every night there would be a death toll, a count of how many had died that day, that week, that month. And it became real. It was in our living room. Maybe for the first time ever, at least, that I could remember. And I could remember living my life in such a way in junior high of wondering what was the point. Because as a young man at that point in time, with the draft going on, it was almost certain you were going to go to Vietnam and you were going to die. And death became real. And there became a fear that, that was attached to that. And I think for some people that's what's happening now, maybe even for you as you're watching. Death has become real. It's come into our living rooms. As every day, every, every morning, every evening, there's a, a new count of the people who've, who've contracted this virus and people who've died from the virus. And so death has become more certain. Vietnam... Had a, had a closeness to it, but not the way this does. Every country in the world has been impacted by this pandemic. And every country in the world now has an opportunity to face the undeniable fact that each one of us will die. And that's what Paul starts as he talks to this church in Corinth he lets them know that death is a real truth. Death is a real truth. It is real. And the second thing we see is that death is permanent apart from the resurrection. Now, as he's talking to this group of people in Corinth, and Corinth was a city that was a, a, a a very metropolitan city. There were all, all types of culture that was going on. There were, there were all types of people who were there, people from all different kinds of people groups, all different kinds of cultures. There were all different activities and, and things that could be going on. It was, in its time frame, very similar to our time frame and the way that we respond here in, in America. 
And, and so as we look at this and we see this, we see that Paul writes to them, and he writes to them not as people who necessarily don't believe there's a resurrection, but people who don't believe there's a literal resurrection. It seems as though they believed there was some sort of spiritual resurrection, but that somehow when you died, your spirit went on living and, and it was just going out there without a body. And Paul wants to make it clear to them that death in that way is permanent. And it brings no hope. And that's the second point, is that there, there's a hopeless end without a literal resurrection. Without a literal resurrection, there's a hopeless end. And that goes on in the next few verses here. And what we see is that he goes to this church in Corinth, to these people that he loves so much, and, and he talks to them, and he says, listen, if, if there isn't a literal resurrection, if Christ hasn't literally been raised from the dead, then, then there are six things that that means. And as we look at this passage, he's going to, to list these six things, and I think that we can see what those are as well. Now, he's writing to those who believe in Jesus. He's writing to those who've come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so these are, are believers. These are followers of Jesus. And so he wants to make clear that they understand there's truth in the resurrection. And the first thing he says is that, listen, if Christ hasn't been raised, then the preaching is useless. In other words, there's an incomplete gospel. He starts out this chapter by explaining what the gospel is. And when he explains what the gospel is, he says it's of first importance. And what he has received and he's passed on of first importance is the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The gospel is the truth that Jesus came and died. He died a horrific death, and he died that death because it was needed to pay the penalty for our sins. And so as he died, he put an end to sin. But if that's all there is, it's an incomplete gospel. Paul goes on to say that he was buried, but he rose again. He came back to life. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful... We think of it as, as, of course he did. But this is a miraculous thing, and it's of great importance. The gospel's incomplete without the resurrection. The second thing is that faith is useless. Faith is useless without the resurrection. And what does that mean? We've been looking carefully at what it means to live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? And we've looked at the truth that living by faith means that we're founded in the word of God, the promises of God, and we're focused on the faithfulness of God. And to be focused on the faithfulness of God and to be founded on the promises of God is to be waiting for the moment that we're with God. So our faith, the, the part of our faith that that truly rests on the faithfulness of God in maybe more ways than anything else is the truth that when we die, we too will be resurrected. And if Christ has not been resurrected from the dead, then we can't hope to be resurrected from the dead. We can't hope that that, that would be the case. And so our faith is, is just futile. There, there's no purpose to our faith. 
it's a useless faith because it's just faith in what's happening around us instead of the promise. And you'll remember that we looked last week about the fact that Jesus went before us, and so he's there waiting. That's a big part of our faith. The next thing Paul shows is that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then the witnesses are false. The witnesses are false. The apostles are false because they've declared that Jesus has risen from the dead. In the first part of the chapter, Paul talks about after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Peter and to, to the 12 and to 500 and, and all these brothers and then to James and the apostles. And last of all, Jesus appeared to him, to Paul. And so if, if Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, then all of these testimonies are false. He goes on to say that not only that, but if there is no resurrection from the dead, then we're still in our sins. We're still trapped in our sins. I think about that. I know my sins. They're always before me, the psalmist says, and, and maybe it's the case for you too. And I think one of the things I long for most is to come to that place in my life when I, when I shed this body and I take on the new body and I, and I stand before Christ and I'm, I'm freed from the sins that this body continues to draw me into. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then I'm trapped in those sins and so are you. They're forgiven, but we're still trapped with this sin nature, this, this body that longs to sin. If Christ hasn't raised then the ones who died who are believing, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're lost forever. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then those who have, who have died, who've put their trust in Christ, they're dead, they're gone. One of the greatest comforts I have is knowing that my mom and dad are with Jesus. They're waiting there for me. Now they're not waiting for me. They're, they're plenty occupied. Without the resurrection of Jesus, all the loved ones that we have who've gone before, they're gone. You see, what, what death does is it rips the soul from the body. You are designed by God to be an embodied spirit. You're designed by God that your spirit would have a body. You're not designed by God to be a spirit out there. You're designed by him to have a spirit that's, that's united to a body. And death here rips that body apart from the soul, rips that body apart from your spirit. And as that happens, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you, you step into his presence. And we're not sure what happens in that intermediate state, that, that moment between then and the resurrection of the dead, which Paul talks about at the end of this chapter, when we will have our redeemed bodies. But what we know about those who've died in Christ is that they are in the presence of God right now 
right now, because of the resurrection of Jesus. And if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, then those who've gone before haven't either. And you'll have no hope that when you die, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that you'll go there either. The final thing we see as we look at the truth of this is that there truly is no hope. What he tells the church in Corinth and the believers there, and, and therefore what translates to be true for us as well, is that if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. Listen, if all we have is Christ in this life, then there's really no hope. Now, I want to be careful here because having Christ in my life makes a big difference for me on this earth, and I know it's that case for many of you as well. I've talked to you. I know you. I know many of you are going through things that apart from Christ in your life, you wouldn't be able to go through those things because you have the hope of Christ in you. And so that's, that's wonderful. It's powerful. And Paul isn't discounting that by any means. But what he is saying is that the prize, the prize, you'll remember we looked at that last week from Philippians chapter 3, the prize is being with Christ. It's running the race, it's running through the finish line and coming to the place where we are with Christ, where we are with God. And, and there's really no endless hope apart from that. We're looking at this big idea. The resurrection brings endless hope to a hopeless end. And we've been talking about this hopeless end, that without a literal resurrection, all that's left for us is a hopeless end. But finally, what we see is that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, if dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. A point I wanted to make was this. If indeed we have nothing to hope for, if indeed the resurrection of being with Christ isn't in our lives, then we might as well just make the most out of this life. And that's why he quotes this, this passage from Isaiah. Because he says, if the, if the resurrection isn't real, then just enjoy this life to the maximum. And we know there's all sorts of people who've made an art form out of that. These are the thoughts that cause people to run after temporary pleasure. The sin that brings pleasure to the flesh, but harms the spirit and harms the flesh. It's this idea that we could just do whatever we want because when we die, there is nothing more. There's a hopeless end without the literal resurrection. Finally, we see that there's an endless hope for those who are in Christ. That's who Paul's been talking about, those who are in Christ. And what it means to be in Christ is to be saved. I trust that that's you. I trust you've come to a point where you know what it means to be in Christ. And to be in Christ means that you have Christ in you. 
It means coming to a place, especially as we stop and ponder and consider at this Easter season, the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross because our sin earned the wrath of God that needed the death of Jesus in order for that payment to be made. And so it's coming to a place in your life where you realize that the things that you've done, the choices that you've made to be autonomous, to make choices for your life instead of allowing God to, those things are sin, and that sin has separated you from God and earned his wrath. But if you come to the cross, if you come to a place in your life where you say, God, I realize I've sinned and I I need you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me. I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that Jesus' death penalty would pay the death penalty that I owe. Forgive me. I exchange my life of sin for your life of righteousness. I ask that you'd come in and take control of my life. When you come to that place in your life, then you are found in Christ, and Christ is found in you. If you've never done that, I urge you to do it today. What we're looking at, this resurrection of Jesus and what that means for, a, for an endless hope only applies to those in Christ. If you're not in Christ, all you can hope for is a hopeless end. But if you're in Christ, if you ask God to forgive you, you'll be set free from every sin you've ever committed. And you may be there thinking, my sins are too great. They're not. There's not any sin that's so great that, that God can't forgive it. Jesus is bigger than any mistake. On the other hand, you may be there and you may be thinking, I'm a really good person. I haven't done things that, that are that bad that I need to be forgiven of. Could I urge you to know and understand that even the smallest sin earns the wrath of God and separates you from him? but he is just as eager to forgive every small sin as he is every big sin, whatever that means in the way that you define it. And you can be set free and have the absolute hope of an eternity with him because of the resurrection. Because there is an endless hope for those who are in Christ This next verse is so powerful. I remember when I officiated the funeral for Karen's grandmom, my grandmother-in-law. She was praying for the rapture. She was praying that Jesus would come and take her so that she wouldn't die. She lived to be over 100. And I read this passage at at her funeral, and I came to this verse. And this verse brings great hope. Listen, if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, we have a hopeless end. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He has been raised from the dead. And he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What that means is Christ's resurrection is the beginning of God's renewal of all things. The resurrection is is the beginning of God's renewal of all things. This is so exciting. Friends, I can't, I can't express to you how incredible this is. We look at salvation history, and we've talked about that here 
And, and if you're a part of Calvary, you know we've talked about this redemptive plan of God, the salvation history that begins in the, in the very beginning of God's word as he had planned before he created that there would be a redemptive plan for us. He wasn't surprised by Adam's sin. He was prepared for Adam's sin. And so as we come into this redemptive plan of God and we see Adam and Eve sinning and we see that, that each one of us sin as well and so we we earn the wrath of God but God has a plan of redemption and that redemption includes the death burial and resurrection of Jesus and and as we come to this place where where Jesus's resurrection is the beginning of the renewal it's what's been waited for in in all of the old testament it looked forward to this passover lamb this messiah who would come the one who would come and who would save who would save his people from their sins, Jesus. And so he came and he died. And that was, that was the end of sin. And he said, it is finished. And so the penalty for sin had been made. But now there's the renewal. There's the renewal that's needed. And in God's plan of redemption, we've come to a place where the cross, mercy and justice meet. The penalty for sin is paid. And then begins the renewal of all things. Then begins the resurrection of the dead. Then begins where God begins to rebuild, eventually leading to a new heaven and a new earth created for us to live in forever. Those of us who know Christ and are in Christ, this is the beginning of the renewal of all things. That's what it means that Jesus is the first fruits. The first fruits looks forward to the entire crop. So it would be like for the Israelites, they would take the very first fruits of their harvest and they would bring that as a sacrifice. But it didn't say, here's the first part of, of my, of my uh, crop. It would be, it represented the entire crop. It re- represented and realized that everything was involved in that first fruits and that's what Christ's resurrection is it's the first fruits it looks forward to the fulfillment of this as we all receive our resurrection bodies this is the most exciting point in many ways in salvation history to this to this point is Jesus's resurrection from the dead bringing us victory paul at the end of this chapter, talks about when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Then. Then and only then. As Paul goes on in this chapter, he begins to talk about the resurrection of people. It talks about the body being planted. And the body being planted is no beauty, but the body it's raised is raised in its glory. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. He's praying for us. He... Satan accuses us and Jesus defends us. That's what's happening before the throne of God. And one day, God will say, now, 
and Jesus will come back, and there'll be a trump. There'll be a trumpet blast to end all blasts, and those who have died in Christ are going to be up and out of their graves. The bodies of those who've died, and I have all sorts of people asking me, what about this and what about that? You know, what about the people who are cremated? What about, hey, God's going to work all that out, but I'm going to tell you right now that your body, if you know Christ and you die, your body's going to be raised. It's going to be up and out of that grave and it's going to join. You're going to have a redeemed body, a glorified body. Paul tells us it's a body like the body Christ had when he rose from the dead. And you're going to have a glorified body, a redeemed body. And that redeemed body is going to be united, reunited with your redeemed soul. And as a redeemed person, body and soul, you will live forever in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of God and you will not sin. Sin will be completely gone. You will then be swallowed up in victory, in the victory that God has designed for you, in his plan of salvation. And Jesus has gone ahead as the first fruits of that and the absolute assurance of what we have to hope for. Oh, I hope that you're looking forward to that day. I hope that you're anticipating that day. And I hope and trust that you're putting your efforts into that day. We've been entrusted with this time here on this earth. And what we do with this time impacts what we do when we see him. When he comes to us, when he comes to us and takes us to be with him, then the saying will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. It's a moment we wait for. This virus is wearying. It's weighing on people. And yet, in some ways, it's caused us to release things that we've been trusting in. I don't know about you, but it's been enlightening for me to see the things that I've trusted in that are just part of this world. And the constant wrestle we face is to understand that the gazillion years we have that's just a start of being with God are the real places that we need to be entrusting our treasures. So this virus causes us to realize that death is real causes us to realize that apart from Jesus being raised, that, that death is, an, is a hopeless end. But that with the resurrection of Jesus, there's an endless hope. I praise God. I praise God for Jesus, and I praise God for his resurrection. And I pray you do as well. So what? Are you looking to a hopeless end or an endless hope? And how does your life reflect the hope of resurrection? He is risen. He is risen indeed. God, thank you. Thank you that Jesus has raised from the dead Thank you that he has conquered death 
and that there will be a moment in time when death is conquered for us as well. God, you've trusted this time to us, this time with this virus that makes the reality of death seem all that much more close. I pray, Father, as we walk this path, as we walk this leg of the journey, that you would remind us that we are part of an endless hope because of Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen. There's an amazing benediction in Hebrews that goes like this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I release you, equip you, to go into a week of work, witness, and worship. God bless.